Lights on the Upanishads, 15th session. Book by Shri TV Kapali Shastri. Audio by Dr. Krishna Murthy Shastri, Dambay Punacha Karnataka. Om Shri Guru Bhjodamaha Harihi Om Shri Ganesha Yanamaha. This recording is from India. So, in the 15th session, this then is the significance of the triple boon that Yama grants to Nachiketas. If the initiative for truth knowledge comes from the possession of faith that gives the momentum for a self-exceeding effort to go beyond the common run of life and come face to face with the power that knows the secrets of cosmic existence and maintains the cosmic law, then that is a gain. Just a primary gain, but definite and far-reaching, it brings with it for the soul of courage, calm and strength who makes the decisive choice for outreaching the routine life and repeated circuits of, circuits of the crude outward consciousness, the power to open the passage leading to the other side of life and to link it with the bodily life here and return consciously through the new-found way to the material existence. This indeed is a kind of release from the coarser and bounded life and to that extent a partial liberation from nature's control. This is the meaning of the first boon, the first gain, an occult power and knowledge. But it is limited in its scope, the knowledge, the power of the soul that has gained entrance into the secret chambers of Yamadharma, the ruler of the cosmic law of which life and death are faces, is confined to a select portion to a fragment of its own being, narrow, not wide, not sufficiently deep, deep or high, not extended to the whole of its being. Therefore, in the second bone, the next step is taken, giving the secret, the knowledge of the fire, the divine being who is the origin of the worlds, the foundation of world existence, whose home is above in the heights of the cosmos, who is yet hidden within man, behind in the subliminal, subliminal parts below and above. The gain of this knowledge of the secret and origin of world existence, heaven and earth includes the method of waking up this force, lighting up this fire within one's being, by which the soul becomes conscious of the divine being of the cosmos and builds in, uh, him in himself. In effect, the soul is widened in its sphere of knowledge, heightened in its na- uh, stature, sets firm its points of contact in the triple activity of the universe of matter, life and mind, and united to the cosmic and heavenly fire in its threefold principle for knowledge and work it stands above with an intense peace settling on it immortal out of the rolling wheel of life and death. This is a greater gain, remarkable and grand in its conception and achievement. But this great consummation could rest permanently upon only one thing and that is the knowledge of the one and the immortal from which the divine being of the cosmos is born. For that is the soul and absolute being, the immortal. On its rests, rests the birth, the growth, the conduct, the government of the universe. In it shines the light that dispelling all darkness shows the real nature of the births and deaths of beings. By it are revealed the soul formations of the spirit seeming 
to be born and reborn it is synonymous with the unshakable and immense rock of peace and therefore is the basis the foreground as well as the background of all true knowledge and activity in the universe in short it is the first cause and the final effect of all movements separative and collective or unifying the total unifying and total in the human existence or world being once the soul attains this peace the gain is immense abiding absolute and real the gain from which other gains get their values if the value of the first gain lies in leading to the next step in the loosening of the cords of ego centric life for knowledge of the cosmic law and attainment of a heavenly immortality such an attainment itself however grand and covetable is shaky or false and fails without a true and firm basis and therefore derives its substance and value from the foremost of all attainments and that is the winning of immortality by the realization of the one who transcends the all above life and death yet hidden in the heart in the deepest depths of the human being <laughs> therefore in our pursuit of knowledge for a correct understanding of the madhuvidya of the shatapata brahmana we adopt a positive method of interpreting the risks quoted therein and shall scrutinize and see the relevancy of the vedic verses being cited in the context this certainly involves the rejection of certain theories in regard to the veda and vedanta propounded by western orientalists and based to some extent on indigenous scholasticism represented by sayana's great commentaries on the brahmanas and samhitas of all the vedas even if we, we ignore these views and hold them as misconceptions partly due to the uh, temperamental inequipment fa- fanciful and fundamentally wrong in their starting assumptions conjectural and hasty in their generalizations and conclusions we must still recognize the fact that after all they are the special contributions of vedic scholarship from the west are improvements in their own way with the help of many branches of modern learning upon the information given by native indian scholarship by medieval commentaries on the most ancient texts of a remote prehistoric age so this is what we are seeing now vedic wisdom in the vedanta therefore it will be of no use to state much less to examine the consciousness of modern scholarship concerning the subject of the vedic hymns and vedic seers but even though we need not scrutinize the position of orthodox indian schools of thought uh, thought in regard to the original and most sacred scripture of ancient india it is essential that we must know and bear in mind what it is and how it has for many centuries held sway over the learned classes great scholars teachers and founders of various sects in india not only the priests and pandits have followed and admitted in practice as correct the long line of the ritualistic tradition springing from the brahmanas though ritualism as a professed vedic creed has for long existed as is evidenced by the texts of the brahmanas it is jaimini the author of mimamsa sutras who made it the vedic creed he gave it a definite shape basing it on a system of ethical and religious thought propounded the theory that though mantras and brahmanas form together the veda the former has value in so far as it uh, subserves the purpose of rituals for which the brahmanas are the sole supreme eternal authority 
Since then, the Upanishads, which form the part of the Brahmanas, treated by the Jaimini school as a supplement subsidiary to the Brahmanas, Vidhishesha became the book of knowledge, Jnana Kanda, in the later systems of philosophy. While the Brahmanas, the book of rituals, Karma Kanda, occupied the central part of the Veda with the mantras tagged to them for use in the ceremonials of the Vedic rites. This division of the Karma and Jnana portions became more and more pronounced until a tacit Understanding among different schools of religio-philosophic thought was established with the stamp of approval recorded in the classical writings of original thinkers of great philosophical teachers from Shankaracharya onwards. The religion, uh, religation of the mantras, verse or prose, yajus, uh, riks or yajus, to the lumber room was brought to the prom- prominence by their occasional display and uh, convenient us with the doubtful significance, convenient use with the doubtful significance in the dominant ceremonial religion, so much so that the Mimamsakas use the word Shruti to mean Brahmanas, while to the philosophers, the later teachers of the Vedanta, the term means the Upanishads. This is the position that has been in vogue for many centuries now. While the Brahmanas or Karmakanda, Karmakanda found their votaries in Jaimini and his followers, with their rules of textual textual uh, textual interpretation and theories of knowledge and queer notions of the vedic rites and their efficacies and fruits the upanishads janakanda were taken up for inquiry by others the doubtful texts were examined and reconciled systematized and put into shape of shape by the formulation of what is called the vedanta darshan of badrayana who had had the fortune shall we say misfortune of having easily a dozen diverse interpreters some of whom are poles apart in in reconcilably opposed to one another. The mantras, the hymns of the Veda, parents, a parent of the Brahmanas, including the Upanishads, did not receive the attention by any, of anyone separately as a body of original sacred texts. They became settled into oblivion as a living scripture but continued to enjoy a respectable place as a sacred name, a hallowed memory in the minds of laymen and priests in and pandits though not always for identical reasons this neglected rather unclaimed treasure the soul of all that is sacred in the life and literature of the race bearing the name veda which means knowledge did it did at last claim the attention of an extraordinary scholar sayanacharya of the 14th century who was well equipped with all that is necessary for undertaking the Herculean task. He has left to posterity a finished and complete commentary on all the Brahmanas and Mantra Samhitas of which the Rig Samhita presents insuperable difficulties for interpretation. But he overcomes them, gives generally a lucid exposition of the hymns, uh, assigning their place in the ceremonial worship and presents a harmonious whole of the plan of his work. The merits of this stupendous work of Sayana are many and so precious that his work is an indispensable help for Vedic studies. But there is a central weakness, a defect that is at the very foundation of the edifice that he has put up in his commentary on the Rik Samhita. He shared the religion, religious beliefs of his age, an age far removed from the times of Brahmanas, not of the Brahmanas, not to speak of those of the hymns. Uh, which he chose to explain. He followed and expounded the Mimamsa doctrine of ritualism as the soul of the Vedas, wrote his ex- commentaries first on the Brahmanas and the Yajur Veda, which is the 
Veda for sacrifice and began his commentary on the Rig Veda. He did so as he himself explains in the introduction to his Rig Bhashya because a finished commentary on the Brahmanas, the central part of the Veda for the ritualist would facilitate his labors in explaining the Rigs obviously in such a way as to make them fit in with the Brahmana texts. In this endeavor, he has proved a success beyond measure, a success that never crowned the previous efforts either of the Brahmanas themselves or later of the Mimamsakas. For the latter, did not care to go into the meanings of the rigs referred to in the Brahmana passages and even when they had to know the sense of a mantra, they found it smooth sailing as the ready-made explanation was given in the Brahmana texts with which alone they were concerned in constructing their rules of interpretation of scriptural texts. In a sense, Sayana went far beyond the Brahmanas themselves. For it is doubtful if the later were sure uh, that they have correctly interpreted the rigs even for the purpose of rituals. And what is more, they have not taken up the whole body of the hymnal text for explanation and use in the sacrificial, sacrificial rites. Above all, they seem to make an attempt to explain only select hymns and stress their significance in their own way without themselves claiming for claiming or voicing superiority in wisdom and authority over the mantras. But Sayana's commentary on the rigs succeeds in establishing ritualism as the sole and central creed of the Veda, founded on the eternal self-existence, existent words and passages of the Brahmanas, to which the mantras are the uncreated self-existent accessories. Therefore, he explains verses, even when they are of spiritual and mystical import in a half-hearted manner and makes them fit into the context of a ritual and where he could not avoid the sense of the hymns which are uh, avowedly spiritual, he is frank and states, these verses convey spiritual ideas. Other verses also can be similarly explained, but as they help us little in our purpose, which is to be uh, substantiate the supremacy of sacrificial rites, we need not trouble ourselves further in this direction. It is beyond the scope of our subject here to recount the defects and virtues of Sayana's commentary. Suffice it to say that his work is indispensable for a student of the Veda for the invaluable help it gives the numerous uh, in, uh, references mention of ancient authorities, traditions, lexicons, legends, alternative meanings suggesting other possible senses of words, uh, verses and hymns, elucidating of, elucidation of accents and points of grammar and construction of sentences in these ancient litanies of a remote antiquity. A wonderful exposition by Sayana Acharya. He also was knowing the spiritual meaning, but uh, as for a matter of context, this, uh, these uh, Samhitas or Mantras or Mantras and Brahmanas are purely meant for the religious practices or rituals. That's why he mainly has given the uh, meaning on that side, ritualistic side. There are other commentaries on the rigs, but in fragments and are of little avail and importance before the weight and prestige of Sayana and the volume of his work. Ananda Tirtha, known as Madhvacharya, earlier than Sayana, has written a commentary on the first 40 suktas of the Rik Samhita. It is an interesting work pointing out that the rigs have to be interpreted in three ways and that the hymns are fountain head of all spiritual knowledge and God knowledge. That is the three means. Adhyatmika, Adi Bhautika and Adi Daivika. 
nevertheless the central defect of sayana's work remains it is the fact of a representative obscurantism of the time unprogressive and narrow vast uh, erudition developing an extraordinary poverty of sense attached to the hymns of the vedic seers enthroning in the heart of the vedic religion the uh, external occult and worship of nature powers and performance of ceremonial rites for material benefits and other worldly pleasures a sublimated hedonistic doctrine before which refined ideals of an inner and higher life and spiritual knowledge have their facets disfigured or eclipsed and hidden in disgrace if we accept sayana's interpretation of the hymns it means that we also accept the underlying motive of his commentary to which we have already made clear reference it means that all the sacred scriptures from the vedas downwards the agamas shaiva vaishnava and shakta the puranas the writings and teachings of the great saints of the north of the nayanars nayanmars and alvars of the south are all fanciful products of minds in fools paradise when they sing the glory of the veda as the storehouse of all sacred knowledge in short the universal <coughs> reverence for the vedas their reputation as the repository of divine wisdom is a chimera a phantasm without substance a colossal myth so the recovered light let us continue in the next session so this ends the 15th session next we will see 16th session in the uh, next that is tomorrow hari rama om tat sat